0: welcome to the stsa church podcast each week we discuss relevant thought-provoking topics that challenge us to understand our faith more personally and engage in it more practically we aim to communicate the depth and riches of our ancient faith in simple and understandable ways that are relatable to the modern world we are kicking off a special series and this series is called you are what you ask and just so you understand kind of how my brain works Is it before the start of every year kind of set the plan of the different series that we want to talk about well this is one of those ones that i've been saying to myself i can't wait for january i can't wait for january i can't wait for january i can't wait to get through this series because this is a series that i know that every single person right here right off the bat i know is relevant to every single person you know sometimes when you preach up here you don't know who it's relevant to but this one i know is because this one is all about making better decisions and is there anyone out there who doesn't want to make better decisions? Like, is there anyone going into 2024 and saying, you know what, uh, this year, I don't need to make better decisions. I'm, I'm content with what, I, uh, that's not an important thing to me. Every single one of us is going into the year and we're thinking, how can we make better decisions and make this a better year, regardless of where it is that you're coming from? Well, I believe we're gonna talk about it over the next four weeks. I believe the path to better decision-making is better question asking. I believe that we, if we learn to ask better questions, we will make better decisions and I'll prove it to you. Think of a decision that you regret. Think of something that you decided recently or a long time ago that you look back and say, wish I hadn't done that, probably was a mistake. I bet you. As you think about that decision, whether it was a purchase of a house or a car, or maybe it was a relationship that you were in too long, or maybe one that you pulled the plug on too quick, maybe it was a new job, maybe it was a a move, whatever it may be, I bet you if you look back on that decision, you would say, I wish I had asked more questions. I wish I had asked more questions. I wish I had asked better questions, because you know intuitively that the more questions you ask, the more data you get, and the more information and data you get, the more insight the better you will be able to make decisions which ultimately will lead to fewer regrets. And that's what this is all about when all is said and done. And I believe this, that whether or not you've ever vocalized it or or clarified it, you have questions that you do ask before making a decision. You have a natural subconscious framework for making decisions. But all I wanna help you do is make sure not just you're asking any questions, but you're asking the right questions. Like a lot of times we make decisions by asking ourselves the question, will this make me happy? Will this make me comfortable? Will this make me rich? Will this make me look good? Will this slim me? Like whatever, like you have a decision-making framework that you go through every time you make a decision. You ask certain questions. Well, my goal here in this series is to learn the right questions, to replace whatever questions, whatever framework you may have with a better one, I wouldn't say the right one, but a better framework to allow you to hopefully make better decisions. And I promise you, I promise you, you won't regret it. Even if your decision is the same, even if you don't know the answers, no matter what you do with the answers, I promise you just asking the questions will lead to fewer regrets in the end. Why? Because here's kind of our key takeaway for this series. Let's read it all together. Let's go class participation today. Read it with me good questions lead to better decisions better decisions lead to fewer regrets that's our key thought the whole goal of this series is very simple is that we end with fewer regrets less regrets come from better decisions better decisions come from better questions let's talk about decisions for a little bit decisions you can think of it as the steering wheel of your life okay it's kind of the joystick it's the control pad because the decisions you make are what steer your life in one direction or the other And every single day, whether you realize it or not, you are steering your life in certain directions based on the decisions that you make. For example, your health. You are steering your health by the decisions you make, by choosing to eat this, have a second serving of this, have a third serving to choose to drink that, or choose to exercise this. The decisions you are making are steering the course of your life, your career. You show up at work tomorrow. You're gonna make a decision. I'm gonna work hard. I'm gonna get my work done. I'm gonna be diligent. I'm gonna be responsible. Or, I'm gonna play solitaire. I'm gonna check my Facebook. I'm gonna hang out by the water cooler. The decisions you make are writing the story of your career. That's not your boss writing the story. That's not me, that's not God. That's you writing your own story, your marriage. You're writing the story of your marriage and some of you, you may not even be married, but you are writing the story before you even married because whatever you do before marriage, you know, you bring that in. You don't leave that at the door. Wouldn't that be nice if that was the case If we could just kind of leave it at the door, but that's not what happens. You're writing the story of your future marriage or your current marriage or what you or, or your grandkids, and, and what they're going to see. Like you're writing that story with every decision that you make in case you ever forget it. Some of us need look no further than our, our picture in the mirror, okay, and to see our shape and to see that our shape is directly caused by decisions made in the past. Now, here's the kicker. Here's the part where it gets worse. So far, you're with me on that and you maybe thought about that before, but here's the part where it gets worse. is Did you realize that not only are the decisions you're making impacting your life, but it even goes beyond your life? It's impacting the lives of others. If you're a parent, every decision you make is affecting your kids. It's affecting your spouse. It's affecting your friends, affecting your coworkers, affecting could be your parents. And some of us, like, think about this. This is what I hear all the time. Some of us, we can look back at our lives and say where we are today. My life is here today is directly caused by a decision that somebody else made, by a decision that my dad made or that my mom made, or that my uncle made, or that my boss made. And some of us, we say our whole life because of the decision there, like, just think to yourself, how would my life be different if, and then we could fill in the blank here, how would my life be different if my mom or my dad learned to deal with their anger? How could my life be different if my mom or dad learned to deal with their anger? How could my life be different if so-and-so had asked for help with their depression? How would my life be different if so-and-so hadn't left? How would my life be different if so-and-so had just said, sorry? You wanna go back even further. Those people who affected your lives, maybe their lives were affected by people even before them. That's why I'm going to say it this way. There's no such thing as private decisions. There's no such thing as nobody else's business. I do what I want to do. No, no, no. Private decisions have public implications. Like you're smart enough to figure this out. Like, it sounds good. Nobody bother me. I make whatever. That sounds nice. But that isn't reality. Reality is private decisions have public implications. And you don't know. Listen carefully to this one. I don't mean to scare you. I'm going to turn it around a little bit here. But you don't know. You don't know. You don't know who hangs in the balance of your decisions today. You don't know who, future, or what hangs in the balance of the decisions that you make today now i know you hear that and you're like we're doomed (laughs) we're all doomed that's not what i'm trying i'm not trying to go in a we're doomed direction right here actually the goal is the exact opposite the goal of discussing this is to make you feel like you're not doomed to make you to realize that you can sit in the driver's seat that you can control it you're not a victim Okay, you're not just, that's not just other people do it. Like you can sit in the driver's seat and you can steer the ship whichever direction you want. And the way you do that is by your decisions. Proverbs chapter 22, verse three says it this way. It says, the prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and pay the penalty. We want to be that first one, that prudent, that see the danger ahead and take refuge, that see what's going to happen, that this decision is going to lead to that, going to lead to that. So we want to turn the ship around. We wanna change course before we pay that penalty. Last week, for those who are here, I was talking about, about how time flies. I was talking about how Y2K, remember Y2K? Raise your hand if you know what Y2K is. Okay, very good. Some people do, some people are like, that's okay. We, we, we dealt with them last week, Okay, those youngins. And I was talking about last week about how time flies. And I was at a gathering not too long ago and we were talking about New Year's and I was saying with the 20 somethings and I was saying, which New Year's you remember? And I was saying, oh, you know, I remember Y2K and one girl was like, what's Y2K? And another girl was like, isn't that a fashion statement? And we were, like, ah. and we were talking about how time flies. Like Y2K for me was like last week. Well, look here, that was 24 years ago and I took about it like it was last week and some of you were with me. You know what? Less than a year from now is gonna be 2025. 2025, is, I, I assume by then, okay, but I, I don't know. But that's halfway to 2050. A year from now is halfway to 2050. 2050 for sure, we'll be flying to work in jetpacks like the Jetsons, 1,000%, okay? So a year from now, we will be halfway between Y2K, which was yesterday, as far as I'm concerned, and 2050, the Jetsons. This year, before you know it, it's gonna be done. What do you want said about this year? How do you want this year to turn around? You're in the driver's seat. So you can steer, I'm not saying you control, but you can steer by the decisions that you make. So do you want this to be the year? This is the year that my marriage fell apart officially. This is the year that it completely dissolved. Or this is the year that we turned that bad boy around. This is the year, this was a hard year, but we rolled up our sleeves, We got the counseling, we invested, we started praying together. This was the year that turned the ship around. You could write the story. You want this to be the year. I want this to be the year for you. It says, you took a chance. You asked her out. You got off the bench. You stopped being scared. You took a chance. You risked it and you got rewarded for it. Or this could be the year that just like the year before that you let fear dictate and fear of rejection and fear of what's gonna happen. That dictated your year. This could be the year with whatever area that you're thinking about this on your heart right now, the trajectory changes. I'm not saying everything's going to change for good, but this could be the year that the ship was pointing this direction. This could be the year that the ship is pointing this direction and how we're going to get there is by the decisions that we make. And because as I said earlier, you don't know who or what hangs in the balance of those decisions. You owe it to them and to yourself to ask the right questions. Like I said, even if you do nothing with the answer, Because you don't know who hangs in the balance. You don't know what hangs in the balance. You owe it to yourself. You owe it to the people that you love and that love you to ask good questions. Because good questions lead to better decisions. Better decisions lead to fewer regrets. We're going to talk about four questions. And my hope is that you incorporate these questions into your daily framework for making decisions. You ready for question one? Say, I'm ready for question one. question one. Question one. Question one. Oh, then now you can stop. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Question one is, am I being honest with myself? Really? It's kind of two questions in one because it's not just, am I being honest with myself? It's, am I being honest with myself? Really? Did you know that you, regardless of what your career is, regardless of what you studied in school. You may have never taken a class on sales. You may have no sales experience. You may be the worst salesman on planet earth, but I know one sucker that you can sell anything to. There's one guy out there, one schmuck out there that no matter what it is that you're selling, he or she will buy it every time. You know who that is? That's the person in the mirror. Because when it comes to the person in the mirror, you are an expert at selling yourself bad decisions. We all are. Think back to the last time you made any bad decision. Okay, shouldn't, for some of us, it may be very recent. Think to the last time you made a bad decision. I guarantee you, you were your own worst enemy. I'll give you an example. Think of the last time that you ate dessert unnecessarily. For me, it's easy to remember. It's always called last night, okay? Because <laughs> whatever day it is, it's last night. When I said I'm not gonna eat the dessert and I ate the dessert, always. We all know like, is there anyone out there who doesn't know that dessert is probably not the best thing for them? Is there anyone out there who doesn't want to eat less sugar? Anyone out there who doesn't want to trim down a little bit? Anyone out there who doesn't, doesn't know that, that, that the dessert is probably not going to make them feel good in the morning. We all know it. We have the papers, the goals on paper. We have it all. But then the salesman starts talking. You have that salesman, right? You know, that salesman, he's good. That salesman starts talking. When that salesman starts going, boom, there's nothing that, that, that's off limits. So he may say something like, for example, I didn't eat dessert all day, so I can eat dessert now. But logically you didn't eat it all day because you didn't. You knew it was bad for you. So it's like saying, I didn't punch myself in the face all day, so I could punch myself in the face now. Or how about this one? It's a long day. It's been a long day. I'm tired. I'm gonna have some sugar. Okay, but logically you know that actually the sugar is actually gonna make you more tired when all is said and done. This is the favorite and I know you've said this one. I plan to do blank later in the day. I plan to exercise later in the day. I plan to exercise later in the day. Well, that seems to me like if you just kinda didn't do that, then you wouldn't need to do that as much as that. Bottom line is you are a sucker for yourself. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 17 it says, the one who states his case first seems right until the other comes and examines him. What, is this, what that's saying is, is that voice that starts talking in your head. He's so smart and he's so smooth. He's so eloquent. And then you make the decision and then the next voice comes in for the next day and half or whatever it is. And it's like, why are you listening to that first guy? What were you thinking? This is that's not my experience only, is it? Be honest. We lie to ourselves all the time. We lie to ourselves all the time. And what I'm saying is if you don't stop and if you're not intentional about stopping and saying, why am I doing that? No, really, why am I doing that? If you're not intentional about stopping and pausing and asking questions, then you are going to find yourself making bad decisions and you're gonna be in trouble. Give you another example. How many times, won't do show of hands, but how many times are we late and we lie about it? So for example, we are... 20 minutes late to whatever meeting, and we say, oh, it was traffic, okay, but it was five minutes of traffic and 15 minutes of you oversleeping, but we say, oh, it was traffic, or we say, oh, there was an emergency that I had to resolve before I could get in the car and come, okay, what was the emergency? Was the emergency that you were watching in the middle of a Netflix documentary something or other? We lie to ourselves all the time. Let's talk more serious, The question here is, is being honest with ourselves. Why are you upset at so-and-so? Why are you so offended by what they say? No, really? Why did you get so offended by what they say? Why won't you call your mom? Why won't you call your dad? I know what you say is the reason. No, but really, why won't you call them? Why is it you took that job Why you left that relationship Why you're still in that relationship, why you stopped going to church? why all these questions are making you uncomfortable i say it this way you can't make the best decision for yourself until you're ready to be fully honest with yourself anyone disagree with that statement you can't make the best decision for yourself until you're ready to be fully honest with yourself in order to make good decisions i was a computer guy before i was a priest so decisions is very simple. Bad data leads to bad, bad results. Okay, garbage in, garbage out. So if I don't have good data, of course I'm not gonna make good decisions. So the starting point of making a good decision is I need to collect the accurate data. Why is it really that I don't want this? Why is it really this bothers me so much? What's really going on inside me? And then once I have that data, now I can make good decisions. But I fear that many of us are making decisions based on bad data and that's why we lead to regrets. I'm going to show you a passage from the Bible, a verse that maybe you've heard before. Okay. You probably heard Bible studies. If you grew up in church about this verse, it's very commonly uh, quoted. It's from Jeremiah chapter 17, verse nine. It says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? What Jeremiah is speaking about in this, in this verse He's saying it's a condition of humanity. It's not the bad people. It's not those people. It's all of us. Meaning like, 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 like the, the, the saints, the sinners, like uh, the, the monks, the nuns, even the priests. Okay, like even the priests. That every single one of us has something inside of us. It's called a deceitful heart. That's that bad salesman that likes to deceive us. Now, here's the thing. Look at that verse. It says the heart is deceitful. Deceitful doesn't mean the same as dishonest. What's the difference? It doesn't say the heart is dishonest. It doesn't say that your heart will lie to you. It says it's deceitful. What's the difference? Dishonest, I can deal with dishonest. Dishonest means someone who says something that's not true. Deceitful means there's an agenda. They're manipulative, manipulative. They're trying to convince me or persuade me. A dishonest person tells you a lie. Okay, says, you know, uh that the sky is falling. No, that's a lie. That's easy. A deceitful person will tell you a truth and then another truth. Then mix in a little half here, then back over here to truth so you don't catch it, and then truth, and then truth, and then a lie, and then back over here. That deceitful person is that's the person you gotta watch out for. A dishonest person, you just push them to the side. But a deceitful person, that's dangerous. And again, you know that you have this because every one of us can think back to a decision that we made in life. If there's ever been a time, this should not be hard to think of, where you look back and say, why did I do blank? Why did I do that? Why did I say that? What was I thinking? Well, the answer, the heart is deceitful above all else and desperately wicked. Who can, who can know it? That's why you did what you didn't think you should have done. That's why you can look back because there was someone that was deceiving you, that was pushing you, that was trying to convince you, don't you dare say sorry. You stand your ground. You make sure you get the last word. Don't you dare let him get the last word. You, there was someone in there and you're like, what was I thinking? Just say sorry. That's the deceitful voice. We all do that. We all have that deceitful voice. We sell ourselves. Have you ever heard of something? I'm sure you've heard this word confirmation bias. Okay, confirmation bias, you're familiar with this concept. Okay, it's something that, okay, the world that we live in today, it's all the world that we live in today. It's called social media. Confirmation bias means that I don't listen to the data and then make a decision. Confirmation bias means I make a decision that I look for the data to support my decision. Again, that's, that's social media okay you make a decision no one out there let's be honest even with the election and stuff no one out there is listening okay you're just looking for articles and interviews and stuff to prove what you already believe that's why i think this is all a waste you just fast forward to the election and do the voting and finish it all because no one's actually listening no one's changing their mind oh that was a good point no one says that what people do what we do is we decide on a position and then we look for evidence to support it and here's newsflash you will always find evidence to support whatever it is that you want And I've even told you this, okay? I probably shouldn't say this. Okay, no priest wants anyone to know this, but I'll tell you a little secret. Not only can you find evidence for whatever decision you want to make, I can find you a Bible verse to support you as well. Did you know that? You tell me what you want to do. I can find you three or four verses to support you. You can find support for anything that you want to do. Most of us, if we're honest, if we're really honest, we don't want to find the truth. We just want to be right. We aren't looking for the truth. We're looking for something to tell us I'm right. And that's very dangerous. Sir Francis Bacon, who is someone who lived back in the 16th century, okay, said it this way. He said, the human understanding when it has once adopted an opinion draws all things else to support and agree with it again, social media. And though there be a greater number and weight of instances to be found on the other side, yet these it either neglects or despises or else by some distinction sets aside or rejects. And you say to yourself, not me, I'm, 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 I'm fair. Okay, I'm open-minded, I'm not, that's not me. Let's go back to that verse from Jeremiah. The heart is deceitful above all else. Let me tell you the context of that verse in case you are not familiar with it. Jeremiah was a prophet who who lived back uh, the 7th century BC. Okay, so 700 years before Christ. And he was, what the prophets were, their job. They were called by God to be like an advisor to the king and to the people. So these were people that God would give them, like visions and give them, God would give them the answer and then they would go and tell the people. This is what God is saying. This is what God wants you to do. And specifically to the king, because the king was the leader of God's people. So Jeremiah, like all the other ones, okay, would always tell the people, you should obey God's commands. If you obey, God will bless. If you disobey, it's gonna be bad. Nobody ever listened to them. Jeremiah, like all the others would go to the kings and would say, if you, as a king, as a leader, don't obey God and you disobey him and you break his rules and his commands, You're gonna cause great suffering for yourself and for all the people. And again, most of them didn't listen. They ignored because they had agendas. They talked themselves into the most foolish decisions. And this, by the way, before I get to Jeremiah, this is just a side note, something I wrote down here in my notes. I can't leave this point. It's something that I've learned. I've learned this over the years, and I hope you know this. Anytime you find yourself talking yourself into a decision, anytime you find yourself selling yourself, it's probably the wrong decision because the right decision, what I've learned doesn't need a salesman. But at any time I find myself like, no, this is going to work. And it's like, no, no, I think because of this, and anytime you are trying to justify a decision, to make it fit, to make it work, no, I'm sure that doesn't make any sense. And trust me, it's going to be this. I promise you're going to regret that decision. I saw a quote one time. It said, if you find yourself justifying, you're probably just a lying to yourself. When you find yourself justifying, you're probably just a lying to yourself. Anyway, back to Jeremiah. Jeremiah lived in the time of several kings, but the one we want to talk about two of them. One was named Jehoiakim. Say Jehoiakim. Jehoiakim. It's a fun name to say. Okay, it sounds like ahoy. Jehoiakim was the king, and at one point in time, Jehoiakim decided that he was going to rebel against Babylon and their king, Nebuchadnezzar. Now you look at that and say, okay, what's that big deal? Countries go to war all the time. Now you've got to understand the context. Okay, Jehoiakim was the king of the southern kingdom of Israel. So he was king over an area called Judah and he had a tiny little area. And, and Babylon was kind of like the Babylonian empire over the majority of the, 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 the world at least that least said had been discovered at that time. So this would be the equivalent. I've got you a map right here. Okay, so there's the Babylonian Empire as you see it. Do you see where Jerusalem is? I'm gonna show you where Jerusalem is. That's Jerusalem. So Jehoiakim, king of Jerusalem and Judah in the Southern Kingdom, decided that he's going to rebel against Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian Empire. What do you think his odds are? This is the equivalent. I don't know what this equivalent of. This is like a small city in Maryland saying to America, we're taking you down. Like um, uh, anyone here from Germantown? I'm from Germantown. This is Germantown. Okay, the Germantown folks saying to the president of the United States and the army of the United States, Germantown is taking down the United States of America. Like you don't need to be a prophet from God to know this is not going to end well for you, Jehoiakim. But that's what he does. He decides to rebel and declares war. Jeremiah the prophet told him, "Please don't do that. You're going to make a big mistake." The people are going to suffer. You're going to suffer. What he did, talked himself. Salesman, the heart of deceitful above all else, desperately wicked. He convinced himself, no, I'm going to be the king that frees the people from under Nebuchadnezzar. He sold himself. Of course, didn't go very well. Nebuchadnezzar invaded. Nebuchadnezzar killed many, many, many people. Lots of destruction. But he didn't kill King Jehoiakim Because Nebuchadnezzar, was an interesting ruler. He had a specific thing that he liked to do. When he would go into the the countries or when he would defeat cities or whatever it may be, he would kill many of the people, steal all the livestock and all that stuff. He would take the king back alive and he would add him to his collection. That's right, I said his collection. Some people collect stamps. Some people collect coins. Nebuchadnezzar used to collect kings. Anytime he would defeat a country, he would take that king and add him to his collection. So that when other rulers would come visit him, he would show them, look at all the kings that I've already taken down. Don't you dare to even think of it. But actually he didn't just add them to his collection. Before adding to his collection, he did something to them. He blinded them. He had their eyes put out. So imagine the sight of his, of his, of his prison. Okay. All these kings in chains blinded. That was Nebuchadnezzar. He was a real, real piece of work was he. Okay. Anyway. That's what happened to Jehoiakim. Big mistake. And you say to yourself, okay, at least we learned the lesson from that. Next king comes along. His name is Zedekiah. Zedekiah, believe it or not, does the exact same thing. He gets in his mind. I'm going to be the one to free Jerusalem. I'm going to be the big hero. I'm going to be the one they're going to talk about. Oh, they're going to talk about you. All right. Because what happened is Zedekiah says he's gonna do the same thing. Jeremiah says, bad idea, bad idea. Going to lead to a lot of death. Zedekiah doesn't listen. Exact same thing happens, but this time actually gets worse. This time, what Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians do is they circle the city. Okay. And they say, you know, we're not going to fight you. We're just going to surround your city. So no food, no food can come in and no water can come in. So basically the people started to starve and it got to the point where they actually sorry to say, but they would like cannibalism. They started to eat their children because there was no food until finally, okay, they, they, they surrendered, okay, and they came in and they wiped out so many of the, the people and so much destruction. But as you can imagine, there was one person that they didn't wipe out, and that was Zedekiah. And Zedekiah got added to the collection, but first he got blinded. But do you know what Zedekiah, the last thing he saw before he got blinded? Again, Nebuchadnezzar was a real piece of work. He had Zedekiah's children brought out and executed right in front of him, one by one. And then he put out his eyes. The lasting memory in Zedekiah's mind was his kids being killed. Second Chronicles 36, 12. He, Zedekiah, did evil in the sight of the Lord his God and did not humble himself before Jeremiah the prophet who spoke from the mouth of the Lord. In other words, he made a decision he regretted. Why? he wasn't honest with himself. I'm gonna go back to this verse, the, the Jeremiah verse. The heart is deceitful above all things. Zedekiah is witness to that. He's evidence that you can't trust that little voice inside. You got to stop and ask the question. And again, I know you're thinking to yourself, that would never be me. I would never be that blind, but let me ask you a few questions. Let's see if this applies to you. How many times, be honest, have you ever bought something that you didn't need? How many times you've been on Amazon to buy something and then that little voice over that little thing says, customers also purchased, okay? Or you might like. And then all of a sudden you needed something that you didn't know existed two minutes ago, but now you need it. You say that's something small, that's something funny. How about if it was a little bit bigger purchase? Maybe it wasn't an Amazon thing. Maybe it was a house. Maybe it was an investment that really sets you back in life. And you talked yourself into it and you sold yourself and your wife said, are you sure? And your advisor said, I don't think it's a good idea. And your gut feeling was, I don't know, but then your eyes got re and you know, it's going to be, and it's going to be. Maybe it's not a a purchase. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's one of those. Maybe it's one of those that after two dates, after two dates, you knew that he wasn't the one. He ain't got no job, no house. Finding himself, like whatever, okay? Looking for himself, like he's right there. Like, what are you looking for? You knew after two dates, but you kept going. You kept going. You kept going. You kept trying to convince yourself that no, that no, maybe when this, and no, maybe when that. Maybe it's the opposite. Maybe it's that was the perfect match for you. And you knew she was the perfect match. And everyone told you that's the girl, but you just, that fear talked you into, but no, but what if? And no, what if? And I am not sure if you <clears throat> get more serious. Can I get more serious? Maybe you're married and you like everybody else has an imperfect spouse. Everybody except me, of course. Okay. <laughs> you have an imperfect spouse. I've told y'all this before. It's 80, 20, 80, 20. The best spouse is 80. The best spouse is 80%. You're not going to get a spouse better than 80%. The spouse and you like the goal of marriage is we think it is hundred. It's not hundred. Married people know it's not hundred. The goal is you get to 80 and then maybe you can work on that 80 and get it to an 82 or maybe an 83 or an 84, but no, there's no hundred, but you didn't know this. So you said to yourself, I got 80, but I want the 20 and things weren't there with your husband, with your, with your wife. And then all of a sudden there's that nice guy in the office. Oh, he listens. He talks. Oh, there's that nice lady. Oh, she laughs at my jokes. I knew I was funny. I knew my wife should be laughing at him. And then all of a sudden she starts giving you that 20 or he starts giving you that 20. So you're thinking to yourself, this is what I've been missing my whole life. This is what I'm missing. I haven't had this. I've been married for 20 years. Haven't had this. And you start to make some bad decisions. You're not thinking about your kids. You're not thinking about their kids. You're not thinking about the story. You're going to tell your grant. You're not thinking about any of that stuff. Are you thinking about is the 20? I'm telling you, I see people all the time, all the time, make bad decisions, make the worst decisions and be fully convinced they're doing the right thing. I see people all the time making bad decisions and being fully convinced They're doing the right thing. Father Anthony, you just don't get it. You just don't get it. You haven't walked in my shoes. You just don't get it. Okay, I don't get it. Your mother doesn't get it. Your father doesn't get it. All your friends don't get it. Everyone out there doesn't get it, but you got it. I can't tell you the stories that I hear of smart, successful, spiritual people making the worst decisions. Because that's the human condition. The heart is deceitful above all else. Zedekiah thought he could destroy Nebuchadnezzar with just Germantown. That's the human condition. And unfortunately, that's us as well. Now I realize that sounds depressing. It doesn't sound like the most upbeat message to leave here with today. So, um, but again, that's not my goal. It's not to depressing. My goal is the exact opposite. My goal is to tell you that there's a danger out there. Like think of it this way. Think about your physical heart. Okay, if you knew that you had a physical heart condition, okay, you had high blood pressure or low blood pressure or thick blood pressure, whatever kind of blood pressure that is that you got. If you knew you had something and you knew it's deadly, what would you do? Would you just close your eyes and hope for the best? No, you would probably take medication. You'd probably monitor it regularly. You'd probably go for regular checkups. That's what you'd do. you do. No because you know, one wants their heart to explode from thick or thin blood or whatever it may be. You would monitor it on a regular basis. I believe the same is true spiritually. I'm gonna give you a verse here. Proverbs four twenty three It says, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it spring the issues of life. Again, keep your heart, keep meaning guard your heart. Keep your heart with all diligence for out of it spring the issues of life. Do you know what the issues of life are? That's, the, that's everything. <laughs> the issues are the issues. The issues are the things that keep us up. The issues are the things that wake us up the issues of things that make us pull our hair out, the issues of life. Keep your heart with all diligence for out of it, spring, the issues of life. What I'm saying, what I want you to do is I want you to check your heart regularly. I want you to guard your heart. I want you to evaluate what's going on inside there on a regular basis, knowing that you have a heart condition. So you gotta get some regular checkups. You got to get a doctor involved. You can't just go out willy nilly with your heart condition. You need to make sure every day you're doing the monitor thing. Okay. And then you need to get regular checkups with someone outside of yourself. Someone, a, a spiritual mentor or a spiritual person who can help guide you and shape you. If you knew, if you knew that I was a deceitful person, if you knew that I was deceitful, would you every day listen to me give you advice and you wouldn't ask anyone about my advice? If you knew I was deceitful, that I had an agenda, that I'm just greedy and I'm trying to trick you. If you knew that about me, and then you heard me talking to you. Wouldn't you go to someone and say, I don't know what he's saying is true or not true. What do you think? Wouldn't you fact check me? Don't we fact check everything these days? You would do that. Well, what I am telling you is you, that little voice inside you, your heart is deceitful. Fact check it your heart is trying to persuade you in the wrong direction. Don't just go with the flow, get an outside opinion. I'm telling you to do two things. I'm telling you number one to every day evaluate and ask yourself the question, am I being, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this really? And then I'm telling you not to be, uh, not, not to cut yourself off from seeking spiritual guidance. Said another way, here's our challenge that I wanna leave here with today. Let's read this all together. I will not lie to myself. No one sees me, okay? Again, altogether, I will not lie to myself even when the truth makes me feel bad about myself. Again, I will not lie to myself even when the truth makes me feel bad about myself. In other words, 2024, year of brutal honesty. Year I'm challenging you to be brutally honest with yourself, to challenge the lies inside to ask yourself, why am I doing this? No, why am I doing this really? And maybe for some of you, okay, maybe it would even help to look in a mirror as you're doing this and say, why am I doing this? No, really, why am I doing this? As I said earlier, you owe it to yourself. You owe it to your future self. You owe it to your, your, your future spouse. You owe it to your kids. You owe it to your grandkids. You owe it to the people around you who are going to be affected by your decisions. You owe it to them to ask yourself a question. Why am I doing this? Why am I doing this really? That's the only hope. What's the real reason? Why don't I, like I said, why don't I call my mom? Why don't I call my sister? Why don't I talk to my brother? No, really, why don't I call them? What is it that caused me to walk away from that relationship? No, I know the excuse that I'm saying, no, but really, why did I walk away? Why was I so offended? Why can't I say sorry? Why do I not go to church? Why do we get uncomfortable when he talks about confession? No, really, what's the real reason that I stopped doing these things? I'm not telling you to change your decision. I'm simply challenging you to ask the question. And I promise you, you'll be better served by doing so. Because lastly, John chapter 8, verse 32, this is the result of when you ask yourself good questions. You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. That's the goal for 2024. It's to live free. It's to be liberated. It's to get away from that little voice inside that's manipulating us and say, no, really, why am I doing this? And once I start to get the truth and get the right answers, then I start to make better decisions and better decisions leads to fewer regrets. Let's stand together for a prayer. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Heavenly Father, We thank you, Lord, for this day and this new year and this new chance. Lord, we don't want another year with the same bad decisions. We don't want another year with the same regrets as the years gone by. We want this year to be different. And we pray, Lord, that you would give us the courage to ask ourselves the question of why am I doing this? No, why am I doing this? Really? It's uncomfortable and it's awkward and we don't want to know the answer. Sometimes But Lord, we need to know the answer. So I pray that you would help every person here start asking the right questions and to be honest with themselves so that we can start making better decisions and lead to fewer regrets we hope today's message inspires you in your faith journey and at the end of this episode we invite you to take a moment to subscribe to our youtube channel